0: I know a lot of you guys grew up in the same same way that I grew up. Um, you know, if somebody sneezed in the Baptist church that I grew up in, you know, everything to came to a grinding halt. Um, you know, we it's the world, especially the, the the public, has a tendency to look at the church and and see the church as being condemning, see the church as being uh, hateful. And uh, I guess I forgot to mention kids' church. Bye. It's a good thing they know me now. <laughs> Um but you know that that completely flies in the face of what what Christianity is we We are a people. I am not God, and hopefully you're not either. you know we have no right to judge people and, and where they come from. we do have the right to preach the gospel, we do have the right to be tools, we do have the right to present another and we have the right to present the gospel. God changes the heart, so not us. Good grief! If y'all depended on me to change people's hearts, we'd be in a world of hurt. Because I'd probably end up thumping somebody over the head with a wrench. That's just the way I am. So, but you know, we we need to be open and we need to change the way that we view things. And if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2 verses we're going to start in verse 36 and there's a reason for that. Somebody tell me real quick about Acts chapter 2. What's what's the pinnacle event of Acts chapter 2? Don't everybody jump at once. <laughs> what? The coming of the Holy Spirit. What happened? Oh, come on, guys. It was pretty cool. This was like a Hollywood moment here. What happened? Somebody help me. Hit me. Hit me. Oh, come on, guys. Fire from heaven. Everybody's standing there. They're all different races, all different people come from different parts of the country and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Texans going up to the East Coast. You know, it's a whole other world. Boy, what happened? Fire came down from heaven. Remember that? People started talking the same language, and everybody understood one another. Is that not a Hollywood moment? So the, the Holy Spirit descended upon the people, upon the apostles and upon the people there. Everybody started talking in, in the same language, and everybody started looking at each other like they're all drunk. Peter finally had to stand up and said, hey, 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 calm down. He said, we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's a little early to be drunk. What has happened, though, is that the Holy Spirit's come down upon you. Okay? And then Peter got up, and he gave this big sermon. And then what happened at the end of the sermon? Bunch of people got saved, right? Are you? Everybody okay? Everybody nod their heads up and down to acknowledge that. Okay, all right. I'm going to ask questions, okay, and you can respond, all right? I'm not going to throw anything, I promise. and I, I promise I won't shoot anybody in the kneecap, okay? So we're good, all right? 3,000 3, people got saved, right? 3,000 people got saved that day, okay? And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up in verse 36, hopefully. <clears throat> We're going to pick up in verse 36 and we're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter and then I'm going to go back through and we're going to go back and we're going to talk about stuff. And I want to talk about the early church. I want to talk about, you know, what was going on in the early church, why, why, why it's important to us, you know, and, and what exactly does it mean for us as a people. Okay? Y'all ready? Let's start reading verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about three thousand were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone Outstanding. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning. And I just ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we talk about the early church and we talk about what was going on in the early church, what led to the early church. And Father, what that means to us. Father, I just ask that, that right now that you would remove anything that would prevent the hearing of your word. Father that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds. Father that that you would toss out all the distractions. And Father that you would speak to us. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for all that you give us. We ask that you forgive us of our sins. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Outstanding. I don't know if this is going to work. You ready, Mr. Tim? Don don don. We're going to try something a little bit different today. They always twinge when, when I get up to preach because they never know what we're going to do. All right, guys. In spite of all present appearances, God is in control. How many would you look around the world today and say that God was in control? Yeah, one, two, okay. How many of you would look around today and say that everything is out of control? The Jews, thank you. <laughs> it, it does have that appearance sometimes. You know, and, and how guys, when I, when I look at everything that's being taught and everything that's being preached and everything that's being told to us, whether in church, out of church, by society, by the media, by the president, by, by anything and everything, all I get is a bunch of conflicting messages. And, 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 and that just seems chaotic to me. You know, I was, I was uh, working security for a, for a grocery store there in Amarillo. This individual walked into the store. And they had their back to me, and when the individual uh, was, I was watching on the security cameras, and as this individual was, was walking away from me, I honestly thought it was a girl. There were dreads hanging down, and, and they had this big rainbow purse with like a fluffy dinosaur or bear or something, and 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 and, and was walking like a woman, and 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 I was like, okay, and and then he turned around, and. What what I saw just shocked me because what I saw was he, uh, he was wearing make He had a, had a mustache. Well, I had to assume at that point it's got to be a guy if he's got a mustache. Had a mustache, had makeup on, but the makeup was all sm- smeared. And I'm not talking like goth makeup. I'm talking like makeup, girl makeup. Yeah, I can say that, right? Girl makeup. But the makeup, because it was all blush, and, and but it was all smeared and 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 I had to stop and I had to look at that individual, and I was like, "Wow, that is an individual that is so confused that he he it's not a question of being homosexual or not homosexual. he that individual doesn't know. I mean, he's gone beyond, okay. Well, I I was born a homosexual and and, and I am a homosexual. That person's gone way beyond that. Now that person doesn't know. Am I a homosexual am I not a homosexual? Am I male am I female? Do I wear makeup? Do I not wear makeup? Do I grow a beard or do I not grow a beard? That is confusion. Now hear me what I'm saying. I'm not condemning the individual, but what I'm I'm trying to point out is, is that is a direct reflection of our society. Our society doesn't know what's up and what's down. It doesn't know what's right and what's wrong. We don't know if we're male or female. We don't know what we are. We're just walking around like zombies, being confused. But the thing is, in our hearts, we want to know. And I'm here to tell you today, guys, in spite, in spite of the present appearances, God is in control. And whether you want to believe it or not, things haven't changed in a couple of thousand years because that is the exact same type of chaotic situation that was going on on the day of Pentecost. If you don't believe me, go back and read the history books and be prepared because those Romans were not as friendly as you think they are. And they, they, it was the same type of thing going on back then except they didn't have internet and TV. But trust me when I say that you could walk anywhere, and you could buy a whore, or you could buy a boy, or you could do anything that you wanted to. There was there were people standing on the street corner peddling their religion. There were guys that were up there going "Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna." There, those guys were there. They were handing out their leaflets. It was probably on papyrus, but they were handing out their leaflets. What I'm getting at, though, is that politically and socially, what was going on then is still going on now. It was time for God to step in. And, And that's what happened. I hope this works. Now, let's look at what was going on at the early church. What was the first church like? First of all, right off the bat, there were 3,000 people that were baptized in one day. 3,000 people that were baptized in one day. Now, you may think stop and think about that and think, well, oh, okay, well, that's not that big of a deal. Guys, Jerusalem, all right? I don't know that there was 100,000 people in Jerusalem. There were 3,000 people. That accepted Christ and were baptized in one day. That is a pretty big deal. That is a a big deal. The second thing that was going on is that they steadfastly persevered. After they were baptized and they became Christians, they, they steadfastly persevered. Well, what does that word mean? It means they... They were remaining fixed in purpose and direction in anything and everything undertaken despite the difficulties and the obstacles. These individuals that asked Christ into their hearts, they were steadfastly persevering. They were focused. And it didn't matter what anybody said to them. They were going to stay fixed in purpose. Okay? Okay. They devoted themselves to the instruction and to the fellowship of the apostles. In other words, whatever, whatever the apostles spoke, whatever the apostles taught, these guys wanted to know. They had a hunger within them. And they knew that the apostles had the information because he, they walked with Christ. And so they knew they had what they needed. And so they de- completely devoted themselves to the apostles and their teachings. Okay they were also uh, steadfastly per- persevered into the breaking of bread okay why is that a big deal that that means they shared everything together that means that means they spent time together that means they sat down together and they ate together they they were a body they were a family and they stuck stuck together and they were also they also steadfastly persevered in prayer. Now, I'm not talking about praying for Aunt Martha's corn. They had desperate needs in their lives. They knew that God had the answer. And they desperately cried out to God. They devoted themselves to God. And the more that they devoted themselves to God, the more God moments took place. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. God moments. The more that they devoted themselves to God, the more God moments took place. All who believed were united. They had everything in common. They shared everything that they had. They shared it as, as one. But not just the material things. Everything they had was in common. Their lives, their hearts, their emotions, their desires. Everything was pointed in one direction. They were united. They even went to the point to where they sold everything. Everybody took their lands, their properties, their possessions. They gathered it all together. They sold it all off. And then they put it into one giant pool. And then they turned around and they divvied it out according to the needs of the people that were there in the group. This was one giant hippie spiritual commune, guys. This is what the world wants to have. Except they leave God out of it. Isn't it funny, when you put God in it, this is what God wants to do. They met daily for church with one purpose. They ate daily, they together they were content <coughs> excuse me they were content and they were generous in other words they didn't aspire to be more they were content with what god had given and whatever they had they they cheerfully gave it away to those that needed it they were generous they consistently and they constantly praised god Now, don't get in your mind that there were a bunch of people walking around going, praise him, praise him. Don't, no, in their hearts, in their attitudes, in their lives, they were praising God with their actions. And yeah, I'm sure there was some singing going on. But with every fiber of their being, they were praising God. Does that make sense? You all see what the difference is? There's a difference between standing up and going through the motions of praising God and actually praising God with all, every bit of your being. These people were, were natural-born missionaries. Everywhere they went, they shared God with their lives. And everything that they did in their actions, in their words... God came out. They didn't even have to get trained for it. And here's, here's another thing about it. They were in the favor and goodwill of all the people. How different is that from the church today? It, it was the exact opposite. Those that were outside of the church, those that didn't know Christ, those individuals actually looked at the early Christians and they held them, they looked at them in goodwill, and they held them in good favor. How awesome is that? If I was to run down to the street and stand in the square and tell everybody that I was a preacher, I was here to preach the word of God, what do you think the reaction is going to be? They're going to say I'm a nut and they're going to walk on. And yet, here, the people looked at the early church, and they held them in favor, good favor. The Lord kept adding to their numbers daily. Now, you look at this photograph, and you may say, what in the world's going on? That, folks, is a baptismal service. That happened and occurred right, right uh, I, I can tell by looking at the picture, how old the picture is, That occurred during the Great great Awakening. When's the last time you saw a baptismal service like that? Look at that. That is a crowd of people. And the more that these individuals devoted themselves to Christ, the Lord added to their numbers daily. Now, That was what was going on in the early church. Now you got to ask yourself the question. How did that happen? What was going on that made such a prolific change in their lives? You got to go back. You go back and you got to look at verse 36 and verse 37. That kind of summarizes Peter is summarizing everything that he had been preaching about. And. And the people's reaction to it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now what was different? Than, what was different from Peter's sermon than any other sermon? Because you can go back and you can read that entire chapter. Basically, Peter gives a summary. Of the history of Israel, and he gives uh, and he identifies Christ and what Christ did, and 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 basically he 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 preaches the gospel, is what he does. Okay, but how you when you look at those words and you go back and you look at that and you go, how can his words make that significant a, a change? Well, the thing was it wasn't his words; it was God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Was there. And the Holy Spirit. Was pressing upon the hearts. Of every individual that was within hearing distance. And when they heard. first The first thing that, that, that happened was. That the people recognized. Beyond all doubt. And they acknowledged. That Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. That was the very first thing. The people. Recognized beyond all doubt, that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. And the only way that that can happen is if God squeezes your heart and mashes on you and says, you better not sit there until you get to know me. That's a God-squeezing moment. God trying to say to you, hey, I'm trying to get your attention here. I'm offering you something better. The only thing you have to do is recognize and respond. And that's what was happening. They had a God moment. Now, the reason that I call it a God moment is because when it happens, there's only one answer. It's God. You can't explain it away. There is no no explanation for it. The only thing you can do is acknowledge that, yeah, God is real. It was a God moment. They had to have a God moment for these changes to occur. And trust me, fire coming down from heaven and everybody speaking the same language, yeah, that's a God moment, okay? Not only did they recognize Christ as Lord and Savior, but they also saw their guilt. They saw their guilt. When all of a sudden their hearts were open before God, and they knew that they were standing in God's presence, they did what everybody does in God's presence. They go straight to their knees because they realize and they recognize, I'm not worthy. That reality hit them. They saw their guilt. Not only did they see their guilt, they saw their need for Christ. Christ. There was no escaping, there was no running, there was no other answer. They saw their need for Christ. And every Christian believer in this room should know exactly what I'm talking about. Because your, Christian, your conversion experience, when the moment when you asked Christ into your heart, it was the same exact way. I know when I asked Christ into my heart, I can even tell you where I was sitting. I'm sitting right there where Kathy's sitting. Not in this church, but in another church. And I can tell you right now, there wasn't anything grand or exciting going on. It was Zig Ziglar. Now, the older folks may remember who Zig Ziglar is. Younger folks, you're probably going, is that a cartoon? You know, Zig Ziglar, and he he was doing a presentation, it was a video presentation of all things. He was doing a video presentation, and he was talking about angels of all things. And the only thing I could tell you is I was sitting right there. And somewhere in the middle of it, I just started bursting into tears for no apparent reason whatsoever. And God just started squeezing, and, and that's literally what it was. I started clawing the, pool, the the pew in front of me. I started clawing the thing. My buddies are looking at me like, what's the matter with you? And, and I was having an argument within myself because I didn't know what was going on. And finally, the, the, the presentation was over and the pastor got up there and he said, if anybody, anybody would like to ask Christ in their hearts. And it had nothing to do with what the preacher was saying. And it really had nothing to do with what Zig Ziglar was saying. It had everything to do with God was squeezing on my dadgum heart and I couldn't sit still and I couldn't escape it. And I knew I couldn't escape it. And I don't think he got three words out of his mouth. And I finally just busted up out of there and ran up to the front. And I think I scared him to death. And I was busting out in tears. And I was like, he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I need Jesus. That's the only thing that I could say. I need Jesus. And I need Jesus. And and, and his words were, okay, well, we'll sit down and we'll talk with your parents about this. And I was like, no, no, no. Now. I need Jesus now. That was what was going on with these people. God wouldn't let them go. They saw their need for Christ. Acts 2.38, Peter replied to them. Because they were asking, what in the world do we need to do? Because they knew it. They said, what do we need to do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So there are two things that he said there. He said, repent and be baptized. Now, repent, what he was talking about when he said repent, he was basically saying this, change your view, change your purpose to accept the will of God in your heart instead of rejecting him. Very simple. The very first thing you got to do is accept God. Toss out your view and acknowledge God is the right view and accept it and make his view your view. That's acceptance, acknowledgement, submission. Recognizing and understanding yeah, God's got the answer and I don't. And the other thing was he said be baptized by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. Now he wasn't talking about a simple water baptism. Okay. And I'm not going to get into. Does it need to be immersion? Does it need to be sprinkling? What he's talking about is being baptized here. In your heart. In other words. You're dying to your old way of life. And you're raising again to walk in the newness of life. With Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what he's talking about. They need to stop. They need to reject the ways that they, were, that they were living. They need to stop rejecting God, accept God, love God, take God as their Lord and Savior, and then die to their old way of life and start walking in the newness of life. Everybody nod their heads and make sure that we all... Okay, all right, good. Thank you. All right. Now, just a side note about Acts chapter 2, verse 39. The promise of the Holy Spirit, and this is really interesting, because somebody tell me what the Great Commission was. Remember? Somebody help me. Come on. Tim, help me, Tim. Come on. Great Commission. Uh Uh-huh. Starting where? Starting where? In Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, and then go out to the provinces, and then go out into the world. That's the way it was, right? Okay, This is really cool. The promise of the Holy Spirit was to the Jews at Jerusalem first. Who was there? Who was Peter preaching to? The Jews where? Wow, he's following the Great Commission, isn't he? To the Jews at Jerusalem first, all right? Then to the Jews abroad. And then to as many as God invites and bids come to him. Now, what does that passage, that portion of the passage mean? Yeah, it means everybody, right? So this wasn't an exclusive thing. This is an everybody thing. To any that God would invite. Those are important words as well. Because what does that mean? Go back and what I was talking about earlier. Who was squeezing on my heart? Was Zig Ziglar squeezing on my heart? No. Was Pastor Bobby Moore squeezing on my heart? No, he was the one to talked to my parents. Who was squeezing on my heart? Who was inviting me? Jesus, God, and what was He doing? Now, He was bidding, wasn't He? Now, not later. Now, that's important, and it's also important to recognize and realize. That God is not being exclusive. He's being inclusive of everyone. The other one, the next verse, is also equally important. Acts 2.40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Why is that important to us? Guys, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but this is a corrupt generation. The awesome thing about God is, is that God never changes. And that call is still going out today. If you listen. If you're willing. Why is all this important? First of all, it's important because the early church is the model for the ideal church. You want to know what church should look like? You want to know what church should be? Then this is it. You want to know where you are as a church? You want to know... How you stack up. This is where you need to compare. And if you. How do I say this without putting a guilt trip on? There ain't no way. If you look at your church. We look at us uh, as a church. We look and we look at those things that the early church were doing. And we look at the things that we're doing. And we're not doing them. At some point, we need to say, why? We need to stop and we need to say, why? And I want to tell you something. There are a lot of people that would teach, and that's fine, I don't care. There are a lot of people that would teach that um, especially with dispensationalism, they'll say that, that, that this was a moment that happened to happen at that particular time and that it would never happen again. And I'm here to say, whatever. Because I, I can tell you, I can tell you because I've been there and been a part of God moments. I've been in churches, my, I, in my very own church, growing up. I watched God ramp on an entire people and I watched the building get so stinking crowded. I watched the building get so stinking crowded that, that it was a classical First Baptist church setup, had a big sanctuary, had, had the overflow rooms in the bottom, had the balcony at the back. Everybody's seen those things, right? And, and I've walked into services where God was ramping on the people in 1986. There were so many people in there that the overflows were full. The, the, the auditorium was full. The overflows were full. The balcony was full. There were people that were having to stand on the side of the church all the way down. And then they were out in the hallway and into the office area and all the way back to the nursery area. And I promise you, it wasn't because Ronnie Armstrong was preaching such a good message. It was because God was ramping on the people of the church. And once that started, there were God moments that started happening that nobody could explain away except to say that it was God. And the church grew daily. And the church grew so stinking fast that we couldn't even contain them all. Folks, I'm telling you right now, that is an awesome, awesome thing. And I promise you, the people that were in there didn't have a clue as to what was going on or why it was going on, except the only thing they could say was, God's obviously doing something. It was a God moment. I've sat and i watched a church decided that they were going to get rid of a pastor simply because one guy in the church, it was a a deacon, chairman of the deacons nonetheless, he didn't like what the pastor said to him. And so he made up this big movement to get rid of the pastor. We were a little bitty church. We averaged about 79 people a Sunday. That was a good day. And on a Wednesday evening, I watched over 350 people cram themselves into that little sanctuary that was designed to hold about 200. And the only reason that they were there was because they stirred up so much discontent. These people were here to see the show, watch what was going to happen to the preacher. And that's sad. That's the only way we can get people into the church, is to get rid of the preacher, have a barbecue. And I watched them, and it was a classic, man. They had two mics set up. Over here was the against side. Over here was the foreside. And they invited people to get up and say yay or nay. And in the midst of all this, as as they started talking, it started off as talking, then it turned into yelling, then it turned into screaming. I was like, wow, this is cool. I should have paid money for this. We're sitting at the back. We should be sitting at the front. This is getting kind of cool. In the midst of all that, there was a group of women didn't say a word to anybody, didn't say anything. They just started coming forward. And so you had a microphone over here, you had a microphone over here, and then all of a sudden you got, you got about 10, 15 women that are up at the altar. These 10, 15 women start wailing and screaming. They were not even acknowledging what was going on over here. They were praying to God, and as they prayed to God, they began to break. And as they began to break, they began wailing. And Honestly, this is what flashed into my mind. You ever seen pictures of the whaling wall? You ever seen the women at the whaling wall? That was what was going on. They were crying out to God. And as they began crying, as they began wailing out to God, these people started getting louder and louder. and It was like peeling an onion back. And all of a sudden, by the time all of a sudden done, the original person that started the whole movement, he stood up, stomped his feet, and said, I will never come back to this church again. And he stomped out. And I was like, wow. Gee, I wonder who the source of that was. You know what? We lost 29 families that weekend. Yeah, think about that. 29 families out of a church that usually averages about 79 in attendance. Yeah, we took a hit. Let me tell you what happened afterwards. Once that little seed was removed, we started having God moments in the church. By the end of the year, we we're averaging 300 a, a, a service. Because God was in control of the church. So don't sit here and tell me that this can never happen again. It can. You just got to ask yourself why. You got to ask yourself why it's not happening. And you got to ask yourself, how can it happen again? You got to ask yourself where you're at. With your relationship with God, because it's not just about all. it's a it's about all of us as a church, but it's 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 about you as an individual, because unless it starts here, it ain't going to start here. That very last comment. Very soon in the future, this church will come again. Uh, you may think I'm a nut, and that's okay. I don't mind. But I promise you, I promise you this. There is a time coming. There is a time coming where this country and this world will no longer tolerate us as Christians. We're going to be sought out. Or we're going to be persecuted. And I'm telling you, Uh, I don't care how many uh, Middle Easterns are standing up and saying that the Holocaust never happened. I I assure you, and I promise you, it did. And I know survivors. And I know the scars they carry. But I'm telling you right now, if you think the Holocaust is bad, that's going to look like a picnic compared to what's going to happen to the church. But I'm not going to sweat it, and I'll tell you why. Because God will be with the church. And no matter what happens, the church will grow. And this will come again. And I'll tell you why. Because we're going to be forced. We are going to become an underground church. And we're going to become family churches. And our lives are going to be desperate. And our lives are going to be dependent upon God. Because there ain't going to be any of the things that we can depend upon. I promise you that day is coming. When that day comes, you're going to find out who's real and who's not real. Because if they're not real, they're going to fade away fast. They'll turn your back on you. And they'll walk away. My question to you is this. If you know that day is coming. Why not get a head start? Why not get a head start? Why don't we start asking ourselves why we're not like this church? Why don't we start asking ourselves, God, hey, where are you? Why don't we start seeking His face and say, God, we need a God moment. Because I promise you, there are people in this world that need, need God. And if you call yourself a Christian believer, you have God. I'm not telling you to run out and go to a Bible college. I'm not telling you to go over to to, uh, Kentucky and join the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, get your relationship right with God. And if God is squeezing on your heart, or if God is making you think, good, now. Don't wait on it. Don't dwell on it. Do it now. Because we can't have this church, but it's up to you. Let's close with a word of prayer. Steve, would you close us, sir?